they, they know I'm not. I'm not just skipping out. Yeah. Um, but it just runs this weekend, and I think they just they somebody probably bailed on them, and they just needed someone to show up. Yeah. Um, outside of that, um, yeah, I do a lot of freelance gigs, and then I also write some of my own like quintet like jazz stuff. Okay. I'm trying to. It's not like a thing yet, but I'm writing the music for it to then assemble. Nice. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Silent Podcast. I am here today with the bass player of Cherry Mantis, Mr. Michael Haley. Hello. How's it going, man? Good. I know we were chatting a bit before, but how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready. I'm ready for the semester to be over. I'm ready for summer. <laughs> that was the other because I'm like, everyone wears so many different hats. I was like, do I, do I do like just for cherry? I'm like, or like professor Healy. Is that weird? Is that weird? That's, that's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I teach bass. I'm the primary like double bass instructor out mm-hmm. there, but I also teach their jazz course sequence. Yeah. This is my first year teaching. So that I'm finishing up my second semester. Last semester I, cha- I taught jazz theory this semester that same group of kids is now in improv one they'll go into improv two next fall and then jazz arranging after that Um, and i also direct a combo out there very cool yeah did you teach lessons before you got the position there i've taught private lessons before okay yeah yeah how different is like that classroom setting like i guess i guess having that different dynamic how has that like changed for you now that you're about to finish like your first year as a professor so like the the difference between like teaching a classroom versus one-on-one yeah I, i think i'm lucky because this music department is pretty small okay so i've got like five students during the jazz course sequence. Gotcha. So it, it really is like I'm directing another small ensemble. So I, I, if it were a much larger class, I could see it being hard, like getting a read on everyone. But I feel sure. like I, just from the class, like I'm able to say, okay, I need to meet with this person and yeah. like try and help them catch up. Or this person understands this concept, so maybe I can introduce them to like the next step on that path. But yeah, as far as as far as like private lessons go, before this I taught. Oh, this was this was years ago, but I taught like Guitar Center private mm-hmm. lessons there. Right. And then I, I've taught a few people. Just like they were like, "Hey, do you teach bass lessons?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So we like either meet up at their place or they they come to me, and that that's really cool because normally those people are like self motivated yeah. and actually want to like do the work. Or like the other students I've had are just like they're young kids who their parents got them bass lessons for Christmas and right. they really want to play guitar, but they also don't really want to practice anything and they're, they're just doing it because they got signed up. So, so one thing that's great about teaching college is the majority of your students are there because they're passionate about it. Right. And they're, they're, you can show them how to structure their time and give them things to do and they're going to show up and have done them and be ready for the next thing. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not paid enough to... To make you practice, yeah. And it's like you know, so it's like that's good that you don't have to worry about that necessarily. Jerry Mantis, like I, I, I think it doesn't really need to be said, but y'all just have a really good dynamic. I moved to Arlington in 2018 mm-hmm. to finish school. Y'all were like the first local band mm-hmm. that I, I had heard of. Like immediately, like first days of class, just everyone's like, "Oh, like we're going to the Jerry Mantis show. We're going to like this, this," and I'm like. Cool. Great. I'll make a mental <laughs> note. Like I, it was just like what it was like. Uh, but then it, like when I was in the studio, I, I'm sure those stuff like sessions for like tasty jams. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, oh, this is Cherry Mantis. I know. I know these people. Because <laughs> like, yeah, it's just always been like a constant since I've been here. So I, I appreciate like you being here today. Absolutely. Man. And uh, I actually got to see all live. Because from interviews that I've seen so far, you know, I'm not trying to retread like the same yeah, ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but according to Justin and Lou, it's like they had approached you about the yeah. de- uh, member kind of how that went down. Yeah. At, at this point, me and Lewis were actually both bass players in an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both playing in the second jazz band or something. Okay. And like we finished rehearsal and he's like, hey, man, you, I've got a band. You, would you be interested in coming in to play bass? And and I was still pretty new to the area as well. Sure. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's 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 jam. And that's how I got into it. It was a different 
vibe than it is now. Because yeah. um, we had we had a different vocalist, and I think Jenna showed up right after me, mm-hmm. or like close enough to say at the same time. Sure. You know. Um, but yeah, that section of the band, Lewis, me, and Jenna all met it through the music department at UTA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. It it really shows, like it it comes through, like it, in my opinion, just how different all of y'all are and like what you contribute like because you know you play bass that's your primary role listening to, to y'all's like album everyone's got like vocals to to contribute either like in a group or something and it, it's just i think like really wonderful I, I just think that's something to to aspire to i don't know it's just good to be around great musicians and just good people like there, there's just a good sense of community around like cherry mantis definitely like at that show it's like lots of familiar faces like it, yeah. it's a tight-knit group like y'all have a very loyal following i'd say so i guess like to to bounce off of that where do you kind of like navigate because i i've heard talks that y'all are working on a new album like besides yeah, just playing rumored. the bass and slapping the bass <laughs> where where else do you kind of like fit like into that like my role in the group yeah uh sure so i I think what makes cherry cool is like like you said everyone's coming from like multiple perspectives Mm -hmm. and when we get together like we might show up and lewis will be like hey i've got a song and he plays it and it's it's awesome and i'm like okay that's really cool but what if (laughs) Inst- like we go to this weird chord at the bridge and do this thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's there's two directions that we try to go in, mm-hmm. like very simple, pop, catchy, but then at the same time we try and pull weird out stuff to like counteract that, yeah. or not counteract, but just go in a different direction. Yeah. So like, I like being the guy who's like, okay, we don't have to do this, but what what if we did this section and it was in like 7-8 and, and it was weird and we did this and then we go back into this yeah. other idea. But yeah, I think what's, what's cool about this band is everybody writes. Yeah. So like there's songs, Justin wrote their songs, Lewis wrote, Jenna gave me. We all bring in independent things, but then there's other times where collaboratively we'll just start playing something and build this thing that wouldn't exist if any one of us weren't in that room right. at that time. No, like that, I mean, it shows in, in any group of doing music, you know, it's, it's all collaborative. There's so many like one man bands, mm-hmm. so to speak. And it's good to have someone with a creative lead, but I, I would say y'all exhibit a lot of the best qualities, like of indie band, like in, in that sense where each of y'all are, you know, songwriters and contributors and make it work and like really build off of each other's strengths. Since we're, we were talking about that, is there anything in particular that you'd say like you took the lead on like one of like your singles or uh, songs from uh, either Tasty Jams or another EP that I'm names keeping me right now? As far as like a tune that was really... Or something Mine. meaningful to you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so on, on like our first album, mm-hmm. as well as Heat Wave, I've got a song that I I wrote entirely and also sang. Yeah. So those those are fun. Um, the first one is Heavy, if you've heard that. Yep. Yep. And then the second one is Stay. Yep. So those are two tracks that like okay. I wrote completely and just brought in and was like, hey, can you guys play this? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, they they were all like, yeah, sure, that's great. And and when y'all were kind of first getting like your footing and figuring out those dynamics, was there any kind of reservations of like from your perspective, like just a fear of like this song's not going in the direction I would yeah. think, you know? Okay, so I think there's sort of like an unspoken thing, like obviously coming into a group and sharing like something you created is is inherently vulnerable yeah um so i feel like there's an unspoken rule of like it's this is a safe space you can suggest whatever but like this is that person's thing right so like yeah you might have a really cool idea and you might be able to take this idea and twist it into something completely different that's really cool but if it's not still fitting that person's 
vision for it. Right. Like if you're not complimenting, then you're taking away. Yep. You know, and it, and and it, at the end of the day, like they brought something in, so you have to respect their take on it. Yeah. How is writing something for like Jerry like you know different than some of the combo stuff? Like where is that second, yeah. like in your brain? Because there there's a lot of overlap. Where do you make that distinction? Yeah, I feel like there are like two mindsets you can step into. You can yeah. be hyper analytical and hyper technical, mm-hmm. and and that might be good for like combo like jazz writing. But at the same time, you you want to step into the position of being like a songwriter and so maybe like write lyrics first and try and see like if there's a sound that comes from that yeah. um, and try and think abstractly to generate content and then you can apply like like your music theory knowledge or whatever to sort of structure that yeah it's it's like you're stepping into or you're you've got your footing in two different places because because yeah. you you can't be so analytical that you're not artistic anymore right you know I'm I'm sure just based on the way you've said that that like from experience is there like in particular like a story you can think of of like it's like okay this is getting too theory heavy yeah for like, for like a um, cherry song not a specific story but that is something that I have to like remind myself of because I'll be like okay yeah we we could play this in in five alternating between like seven and six as well and, and sure. like it, it'd be really cool but also no one wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, there's there's just a balance you have to find, and like as far as writing for Cherry, that that's just a different kind of thing as opposed yeah. to writing for a jazz group. How much consideration do you take in, like, as far as like knowing your audience? Like, because I because you're saying it's like, well, no one wants to hear a super technical <laughs> song that like with, with these time signature. I mean, I, I would love to hear y'all do something yeah. like that. That's just me. Uh, just I'm weird. Full, <laughs> full blown dream theater. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe, maybe that sparked a little like something for, for the next project. But um, yeah, I, I guess for, for you personally, it's like, what, what do you take in consideration then when it's like, okay, if this is going to be for the next like single or next, like, you know, song in the album like what is what's kind of that thought of like who's gonna hear that mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I guess it's not so much like who's gonna hear that but like back to cherry mantis being a group of like five very different people yes yes um i think i come from, from the perspective where like i respect each of their musical tastes and opinions yeah. and i recognize that that it's different than mine so if i can do something that like if I play a bass fill and Justin reacts to that and is like, oh, crap, that was cool, okay. like, then I'm like, okay, I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. Or if I can, like, as, as a bass player, your job is to support the people around you. Right. So if I can make choices and decisions that enhance what they're doing mm-hmm. and maybe bring out the direction they're trying to go in, then I feel like I'm doing my job. No, th- that makes sense. Because, like, I mean, that... Obviously, you want your bandmates to be happy about it, and like and y'all being friends. That that's a good that's a good way of looking at that. I respect that. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, of course you want. Yeah, nice. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, because I I mean it sincerely. You know, and just at any like good band, like in musicians, you you want that, and I, I think that's where things like fall apart. Where it's like, oh, we start a band, and it's like, what are we like a like we all like metalcore, okay? And it's like, and it's like not. You're all like, pulling from the same perspective. Yeah, 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 and that that's important, like to to stand out, especially with with indie, because it's just fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not even asking a question. I'm kind of just like complimenting <laughs> y'all at this point. But what your thoughts, like as far as like keeping that like element like going forward, like of finding new things to write about while still being relatable. Okay. Yeah. I guess the way that I personally like write lyrics yeah. is I, I have a notes app on my phone and I just write down random things if they pop yeah. into my head like an insane person. <laughs> um, and then I sort of organize them later, you know? No, it's like having a journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's just in my pocket with me forever. Yeah. Um. <laughs> do, do you ever get into that or it's like you almost put yourselves in... Are you in situations where it's like 
to get inspiration? Like, is that, is that conscious or, oh, or like, I hope not. I, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think so. Like the first tune that I wrote for cherry heavy, that was me processing like a breakup of like a horribly right. toxic, bad, bad time in my life. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's why it was easy to write about it. Cause it was a way to like filter that and then express it. And then, okay, I, I can let go of this thing now. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's part of why I don't like, we don't play that song because it puts you back in that mindset, you know? And it's like, Oh, I left these emotions here and I'm, I don't need them anymore. You know? Um, so, and then the second song stay, that was more, I'm trying, I'm trying to pull away from drawing directly from life experiences because I'd like to have songs that I like to play. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's more abstract and not a direct like event. It's more just like a collage of emotions that inspired those lyrics that I then wrote music for. That makes sense. Um, one artist that I've really got it into is uh, Andy Schaff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've checked him out much. I don't think so. So he, his writing style is like what I would aspire to because he writes really grounded human stories. Yeah. But every album is a concept album and it's, it's not based in reality. It's just like, it's like a novel, but in musical album format. Okay. I, I, cause I, I love that. Cause I love, you know, I love me some tasty jams. Yeah. I'm going to keep yeah, yeah, yeah. like making puns there, but I'm like, <laughs> like just a collection of just like good songs. And, and there's a way to like to do that like artistically. Cause I, I'm a stickler for like track listings yeah. and kind of like the, how one thing flows into, like, if yeah. you're, and you know, instead of it being a collection of singles, that's, it has to be a journey, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. And streaming platforms and, and the algorithm, like I, I hate, talking about that stuff i hate the discourse that's surrounding that i i guess since i brought it up like are you scared uh this adds like in in general or (laughs) in in general it's like yeah do you have any kind of anxiety that's a loaded question as a musician um are you worried that ai is gonna take your job oh gosh i hope not it could i mean I think maybe not this generation, but if AI gets to the point where it can mm-hmm. just generate art, gen- whatever that is. Right. Um, and then you have children who grow up with like, oh, I have an art app, so I'll just click that and it's yeah. going to make something for me. Then, then maybe that generation grows up and doesn't understand why we need people to make art. That, that's actually an interesting take because that's something I haven't considered because I'm I'm not an advocate because there definitely are harmful, like especially in these growing like stages of, of it, like just especially like with the visual arts where it's like people's like whole style is getting stolen. Yeah, that, just ripped off. That's completely. where it's a concern. Um, or even like it's not quite there yet, but some of the voice AI where you can make someone say something incriminating, that's, that's kind of the scary part. I, when it comes to this topic in particular, try to be kind of optimistic. Yeah. Cause, cause it, there's a lot of good it could do. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it could like also be like, you know, cause I see what yours is like, maybe like 10 years from now in a generation that just, that's just available and maybe like this sounds kind of like boomer esque, like, yeah. like that kind of mentality <laughs> where it's like they don't understand what it's like to actually mm-hmm. like have to like do their craft. But it's like the optimistic side of me is like, well, this can enable someone who maybe like doesn't have the technical skills like to get their vision out because the AI, it's it's all it's being fed human creations. Yeah. At some point, if if it's just all AI generated like content. It's going to just be a feedback loop of yeah, the just sameness. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, where, where it's like you need the human in, input at some point to then put something else into that, that circle. You're familiar with the Turing test, right? Yes. Yeah. They're not even trying to code it 
to think like a person that's not even like we're not anywhere close yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, just mimicking yeah. to pass the test. I, I actually read an article about like there's there's an AI that was trained to play Go, which is like this super, it's like the yeah, oldest yeah. board game ever. And the the AI beat the world champion in Go at like, he just crushed them. Yeah. And it, it was depressing, and it led to that person retiring. Really, um, but they did a study on that AI, and they they realized that the AI doesn't understand how the game works on like a basic fundamental level. Yeah. So, right now we're able to create AI that has the appearance of intelligence, mm-hmm. but they were able to beat it with like a really basic strategy, mm-hmm. just because it didn't understand the fundamentals of the game. So when when the person wasn't playing like a grand, like high level player, yeah. it didn't know how to play against that because it doesn't understand the objective. Interesting. And they were able to beat it like, I think 90% of the time. Okay. Just by using like a basic, like level one strategy. That's, that's a little reassuring. Well, it's reassuring, <laughs> but it's also, it's like a double edged sword because what happens when we have an AI that presents itself as being like, all powerful or, or whatever, like yeah. the AI. Yeah. And let's say we give it control over like an economy or like some sort of high level task. And then it's presenting as if it understands this thing, but in its operation, it has no clue, like no actual understanding. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the, always the concern in the realm of like sci-fi, like dystopian, yeah. whatever. But it's like, hopefully we're smart enough to have a kill switch of some kind. I, I think that's like, it's like, that's always a thing. It's like, all right, turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. somehow, I, I think that's where, I don't know. I don't want to get too heady on it, but, but that's, you, you've given me a lot to think about because, um, Jesse Katz, one of, one of my best friends, he was on the first episode of this podcast. Him and I will talk about chess. Mm-hmm. I've actually been trying to teach my girlfriend chess since digital computers have been like, Use like that's been in consideration where people have built like computers just to play chess. Mm -hmm. So like Jesse, I will talk about that as far as like as far as like the grandmasters like that that completely escapes me. But he's really into that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that it's programmed to almost like like have these pre calculated like sets. It's like here's where it could branch off into the the way the way this this machine is is thinking about this. It's not conceptualizing your intent. Yeah. It's been loaded with millions and millions of games. Mm-hmm. And there's only a set number of combinations of moves yeah. that one board state can move into the next. Right. So it, it it knows for whatever reason, like, okay, in this board state, I should do this move. Mm-hmm. And it's making decisions based off of that sort of like flow chart. Okay. So it doesn't understand what it is doing. It just knows like, this is the best move. So I'll do this. Yeah. We'll move on to another topic, but but if, if, but if you at home are worried about it, it's like don't I don't know how many times I've, it's like we're we're okay for now, but be be, be cautious. <laughs> I guess that's my word of wisdom there. Well, I guess I, I want to talk about because we talked about cherry for for biz. Is there anything else you want to add the discussion there? Um, big things coming soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could imagine. <laughs> like I I am eagerly anticipating it. So yes, big big things to come. Y'all are available on all all platforms, right? Instagram, Facebook. We have a TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's all of them. Did- Twitter. Because I know it was your predecessor that came up with the name. Mm-hmm. Is is there even like a meaning behind I, Cherry Mantis? I think the the thought process was this would be a cool band name, you know. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> it, it very much is. Uh, I was watching the interview with uh, Chill Sounds and Breakdowns. Yeah. It has kind of a it's just a cadence to mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah, I know if Lewis could, he'd, he'd probably want to change it to, like, Kid Pineapple. He was pretty excited about that name, yeah. but it was too late. No, it's 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 a, it's a staple now. Yeah. It's a brand. <laughs> no, like, I, 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 was just, I was just curious, like, if it's just one of those where, like, it sounded cool. Yeah, no, that's it. Stuff. Yeah, it's, there's I mean, n- no meaning. It's just, this is what a cool indie band name would be, so yeah. we'll do that. And it fits. <laughs> it fits the vibe. Well... 
I was going to ask, because you talked, I think, before we started recording about um, a musical. Have you done, like, musicals before? Yeah. So before I moved out to DFW, I lived out in Tyler, Texas. Um, and I was, like, the bass player for the Civic Theater out there for a while. So I, play, I played a lot of productions out there. And that is a completely different mindset as far as, like, playing music while people are acting on stage and singing. Um, that's just like another dimension of something you have to coordinate with. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy the whole musical experience. Were you ever in theater or did it like any theater classes? Oh, no. I didn't do no. anything. Yeah. Same. I, I actually kind of, I'm envious of a few friends that, that were like theater kids. I didn't have a jazz background. I didn't have a theater background. I, I listened to what I listened to. How is that different? like performing where you're just like with, with actors, like how do you not stand out of course? Cause you're wanting to just like support just being like in an ensemble for something like that. Yeah. I think the biggest difference is like the way actors conceptualize music is yeah. just fundamentally different than the yeah. way musicians conceptualize music, especially cause they have like physical choreography that they have to coordinate yeah. on top of delivering lines and singing. Um, so a lot of it is like, yes, I have a written part, but if I just play what's written and I like stick to that, I'm going to crash the ensemble. Yeah. So a, a lot of it is like, I know this rhythm is written, but mm-hmm. like I, I have to be flexible and listen across onto the stage to yeah. know like, even though technically we're at this measure, we're not actually at this measure yet. <laughs> and I need to give them extra time. And th- that you coordinate that across the ensemble as well. Like the musicians have to follow the actors. Yeah. Cause that's what you'll, you know, any kind of, and in the pop sense, it's like, you know, the vocalist is always right. You fault like, you know, if, if something's up with the form, it's like, you just have to follow along. Wherever the melody is, is where the melody is. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting to think like, so it's like, so you're like, are you like usually on stage or like like down or? It depends. I've done I've done some where I'm on stage, um, and I've done the majority. You're like in the pit. Yeah, um, yeah. That makes sense because because visually, you know, like while doing like live sound, a lot of it is visual where you're looking like for cues on stage. So you're like you're are you like just following the actors and then the rest of like the, uh, like like having to balance that. Or a lot of it's like listening for specific lines. So like when they say X thing, that's where measure 57 is. And from there you have to follow them. Do you enjoy the (laughs) bra? It depends. It it can be really fun or it can be really frustrating. Yeah. I can imagine. So that's because that's like, I, I really am like, open to, to anything and everything. Cause I think from a production like standpoint, I'm always, I always see the potential of something like, here's, here's what I'm seeing. You know, how can we, you know, make this as best and like, you know, it, it can be, which is that, that that's all you can ask for. Well, I guess, are you ready to talk about some of these song picks? That we let's have? yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, so beforehand we listened to power to the people by Joe Henderson before I talk about some of my like first impressions with it. Tell me a little about the recording because is that the original record of this? I'm assuming it's a standard or because I, no. I know the name. I know Joe Henderson. Yeah, it's, it's not a standard. Like if you called this, people would probably be pissed at you. <laughs> um. I'm just so yeah. like out of that of like what? Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, it's it's cool. I Joe Henderson is one of like my favorite composers, mm-hmm. and this album specifically, "Power to the People," is like a really interesting point in like the lineage of jazz. Okay. So it's like kind of transitional, mm-hmm. like leaning into fusion, but still elements of like traditional acoustic yeah. jazz. Um, the album as a whole reflects that as well. So like you've got Ron Carter on bass. And he's alternating between like upright acoustic bass and electric bass. Um, same with like Herbie Hancock. He's on piano, but on this track, he's playing like a Ro- Fender Rhodes. Yeah. You know, so it's like a lot of the timbres are more modern. That sort of gray area between like bebop and fusion mm-hmm. is one that I really enjoy. That makes sense. So, like, was this 
seventies. Like, the recordings for sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah. So just on the cusp. Right of, into that. Yeah, because yeah. that is really like because because I I heard both because they like take a lot of liberties with how aggressive like some of like the the rhythms are because anytime anyone's taking a solo there's just straight like six sixteenth notes just like over and over just pounding you like on on some of like those grooves and i like absolutely loved at the very beginning the strumming pattern i'm, I'm not who's on bass like the opening there is just very like free yeah because there's a form but but there is like at the very beginning just before like the an entire intro ensemble's in. yeah 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 absolutely and that's Another thing that's interesting about this composition is it, it like there's modal elements. Mm-hmm. So like the A sections are one tonality right. the whole time, um, but then the bridge is incredibly harmonically active. So there's chord changes like every two beats, and they're like written out in specific weird rhythms. Yep. Um, and then when that gets into the solo section, they're just soloing over the A section, so that one tonality. Yep. And then they cue the bridge as like an interlude between soloists. Yep. So in their improvisations, they, they're in one tonality, so they have to like develop rhythmically okay. more so than harmonically, which they're still developing harmonically, but like you're in one tonality now, so you're playing modally. Um, and that's where like, like Herbie comes in with his rhythms, but also like his voicings and stuff, and he's yeah. like, there's a conversation happening across the ensemble. Yes. I was going to say specifically like during like the, like the key solo, it is unapologetically dissonant. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'd have to like listen to it again to get like a good, you know, transcription of it, of course, but like it just, all the changes, like it, it, it it's so spicy, especially like with the, I was assuming it was a Rhodes, mm-hmm. but that just like, it's, it breaks up, so perfectly, I I just love that sound. Really good, like recording on it too, because that's always something I'm looking for. Because it for for jazz, like you, it almost always it's a live feel. There's like no I'm using a different formula where like comping, but there's no like compiling like of like different like takes. It's just like one shot, and I I love on records when they have the alternate takes like as like a B side or something just to hear like. You know, if someone played this solo different, because I, I love that with like any genre, but specifically for, for it's like it's like okay, like here's the form. It's like here's where they took creative liberties. It's like oh, okay, maybe you could see why this didn't make it on on the record. And I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, the tone like it's it just in your face, and I I love that because you're it, it is like verging on fusion because there isn't like too much like distortion, but it it just it's like a precursor. Up. Yeah, 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 and and then the saxophone as well, like it sounds like tight, like during that solo, just as far as like how aggressive he's blowing through there where it's like, I, again, no amplification, but it's just like, mm, like, I don't know. It's just really hard hitting. I love yeah. it. Really energetic playing and those multiphonics. Oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Cause uh, unfortunately we're having some technical difficulties during man. I, I was, I was getting into it. It was like, and, um, I don't know. Is, is there any more like his, as far as like the behind the scenes of like that recording and, and that album that you want to discuss? I don't know. I guess like again, as it being like sort of a transitional album, yeah. if you sit down and listen to it, like the first track isn't that extreme, I see. you know? So like the first track um, is acoustic bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if you're just listening to it, you're like, Oh, this is normal jazz music and it just progressively ramps up yeah. into this like new kind of direction um, is this something you say a lot for for your students it de- it depends if if this is sort of the like area that they're into yeah um i've definitely recommended it to people mm-hmm. but it's not like day one of class i'm like okay go <laughs> listen to this album you know <laughs> yeah absolutely no i i understand <laughs> Because <laughs> you're saying if you called this, that people would be pissed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'd get that for sure. Taking it back to that, and as far as like you know, teaching like what, because you know, in classical you have like etudes. Mm-hmm. What's kind of like your mindset there, as far as like something you have personal enjoyment for, but you're like, oh, this will help you work on, like if if we're talking like you know, bass. It's like this is a good like you know exercise. What what's kind of like something you look for with that? So if if we're talking like in the jazz realm, things to learn to help you learn your instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than having put in like the foundational 
work required to like know your scales and, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, standards, standard repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a, a beginner tune might be like autumn leaves. Right, right, right. Um, and that for people who aren't familiar or know how to play over that, it's like all the chords are resolving in fourths. So it's like two to five to one to four to seven to dominant three yeah. to six. And as a bass player, you can analyze that and say, okay, you know, what chord scales are happening here and how can I use those to lead into the next chord? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause that, that's like a good, I mean, as a standard, it, it's, it's, um, easy enough, but you can still be like really expressive with like, like walking mm-hmm. on that tune with, with the changes pretty like intuitive for mm-hmm. people like to, to like, just walk yeah. before you run. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like learning that skill of being able to like look at chord changes and, and walk mm-hmm. over them, you kind of have to isolate your chords and say, okay, like minor seven, how's this chord functioning? Yeah. How can I play notes on my instrument that right. imply that sound? Yeah. Because as a bass player, you're never playing chords, you know? I mean, you can, but not in this context, right? right? right. So you have to figure out a way to make scales sound like chords. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just comes down to like note choices and yeah. specifically like modes. Yeah. Um, so knowing when to apply which modes to to then imply specific chord sounds. Yeah. I, I guess to rephrase the question, mm-hmm. you know, because standards are standard yeah. for a reason. What's as far as like, have you ever like kind of, like how do I like leave my stamp and like help promote like like maybe like a, a newer recording or a newer piece that isn't like standard and maybe making it a standard. Mm. I know that that's very that's a very loaded question, but a more like is like outside of you know the the real book. Mm-hmm. Um, what's like something in, in your like catalog? I don't know. Like you mean specific like tune like something else that like um, you would like share with like a beginner. I feel like a beginner is still like you, you have to learn the standards before you can learn the tunes yeah. outside of that. I might try and find something like maybe if they're not interested in jazz, yeah. I might try and find something that sort of bridges that gap oh, okay. um, just to sort of pull them in to the, to the jazz world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of it is, it's an oral tradition, Right. based on like specific song forms. Okay. So like if you're an absolute beginner, like you have to learn how to play the blues. You know, you, you need to know a basic blues form right. and be able to play over that. Yeah. Because the mental like thought processes that you apply mm-hmm. over that are what you apply over everything going forward. Right. You know? So it, it's there's definitely like some specific foundational knowledge that you have to get. Before, before you can go learn some more modern, weird-out stuff. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, I could, I could give them specific things, but it would just be like... I would just be, like, going to a standard and saying, okay, like, what's the thing that's happening here? Yeah, and then yeah. distilling it down to some sort of process. Yeah. So you're almost kind of like, look at this, tell me what you find. Because mm-hmm. that's a lot of... You know, because I yeah. haven't talked about, like, the next song we're going to talk about too much, because that's a lot of what I like to do with music. It's like... What do you think Absolutely. is happening here? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to trick my students into teaching themselves. Yeah. You know, because like what you learn in like music school, mm-hmm. yes, you learn how to play an instrument and yes, you learn like the skills to do that. But the real skill you're learning is how to teach yourself oh, yeah. and specifically like time management. Mm-hmm. Um, like those are the, the two biggest things that you get out of a music degree, yeah. you know? So if I can teach them, how to say, I want to learn a tune and then break down the steps required to do that and then yeah. execute that. Yeah. They're, they're set, you know? Um, yeah. So if, if they can figure that out, they're going to be fine and they're going to continue learning, yeah. you know? So if you're interested in playing bass at Tarleton, you're in, <laughs> you're in good hands. <laughs> if that's anyone in, in the audience right now, I guess before we move on someone who might be struggling to find motivation what you know someone who 
is looking to take music seriously or get into jazz and start, you know, playing, but is, is struggling to find that motivation, what's some advice that you would give them? Hmm. I guess like foundational to motivation is having goals, Yeah. you know? So like maybe ask yourself, why do I think I want to pursue this? And what is, where do I want to be after I've learned how to play or whatever? And then sort of work backwards from there and say, okay, well, my goal is to be at this level doing this thing in X amount of time. So then what do I need to do over the next year, Mm -hmm. the next six months, the next month, the next week, today? Like Mm -hmm. work, work backwards from there and then be able to build a plan and say, okay, if I want to do this, this is what I have to do. And And then you can decide like, well, do I still want to do this? Or do I need to adjust my goals to then better reflect what I'm able to commit to? Nice. Absolutely. I mean, that makes all the sense of the world. Having to go, th- <laughs> it's like you, you just need realistic and obtainable goals. Yes. Yeah. And that's another thing is like not feeling like you have to have it figured out by the end of the week. Yeah. And if you can find a way to enjoy the process of getting better, that that's great because that's all everyone is doing. Yep. You know, no one ever stops learning their instrument. It's all, it's just incremental improvement until you die. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good way to put in perspective. Well, are you ready to talk about Alton Goon? Let's do it. So uh, we listened to a, a Turkish band that I'm I'm quite fond of. That's been making making the rounds for the last like four years. They have a pretty good following. Uh, to give you some context before I ask you about it, they're a, a group that I, I just like stumbled upon. And some of my 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 favorite like music is like just because like you know everything has a story. Like you know of, like when you first like hear something, it was a uh, my partner Hannah who had uh, introduced me to them. They had opened for. Tame Paula, I think in like 2019. Nice. And that's like when, when their debut album had come out, I think they'd gotten like award for the best like worldwide like debut. Tell me what you thought. I think I have the pronunciation correct. It's, so I don't, don't want to butcher the name of it here. <laughs> Ricky Ya Su Katama. What'd you think of that tune off of their latest record? It was cool. It was really, it was really interesting. Um, yeah, definitely like psychedelic influences um like the baseline the the way they wrote it it, it's a four bar phrase Mm -hmm. but the phrasing and like note choices and rhythmic choices make it feel like it's a three bar phrase yes and then and then you think you're on beat one at the beginning of the phrase but there's another measure that they add in so it's like intentionally throwing you off Mm -hmm. a little bit which that's a cool that's a cool effect um yeah, really like groove focused. Oh yeah, a lot of their music is trying to to take the best of psychedelic rock. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're they're based in Amsterdam, I believe, um, but they're all of like Turkish descent. So a lot of the songs are based off of like either straight adaptations of like folk songs yeah. or like their culture, and it's like it's like how do we take that era of like 60s, 70s, like psychedelic rock that was like happening. Crash it into their, their yeah. cultural music. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I love it. Like I, I'm assuming you don't speak Turkish. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause I, I did a different approach. Cause usually um, my picks are something that I've, I've listened to like a handful of times, but this is what we're like, like the release like snuck up on me. I had so many other things going on that I was like, and yeah, so I, I kind of did a different approach where like I Normally, we'll like look at the lyrics of something like afterwards. So I I did a rough translation okay. of the tune. So the the name of the the title of the track is like the first part of the first verse. The Raki Ya Su Katamam, and that roughly translates to I can't add water to my Raki, and Raki is an alcoholic beverage native to Turkey, and I'm like ah interesting. So it's like it's a, a lot of the theming, like I, 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 I love the songwriting because that's what I'm looking for is like, because one of my favorite tunes, I'm going to butcher the, the name of it again, but it, it's literally about like, you know, a folk song and tradition there, but it's, it's about like this 
guy that's in his feels and is like dancing with a broomstick. I, I, I'll keep it like PG, but it's like, you know, having certain feelings and he's like, I'm going to dance with this broomstick and everything. So I'm like, at least like foreign music where you're not like understanding, you know, another language and just getting like the, the instrumentation of the song. How do you think like the theming like came through? Like what, like okay, kind of yeah. thoughts and feel like with the less analytical part, but yeah, just like more yeah. the vibe. You okay. Know? I think because I didn't understand the language, my brain was like, all right, hyper analytical mode. And I was like, yeah. okay, this is a uh, groove based psychedelic rock with, yeah. with surf rock influences. Yes. And you know, it's built around like the fifth mode of the harmonic minor scale. And, right. and, um, so I really keyed in on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or th- like I love the beginning, like the distorted like bass mm-hmm. sound. Yeah, that fuzz. That's, that's I'm like, love love the tone, because you you play a bit of guitar as well, right? Yeah, I I play. I actually played guitar first in like middle school. Oh. Um, but I wanted to play bass, but my family was like, you want to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I played guitar for a little bit and then dropped off, and then picked ba- bass up later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, now I can play guitar because I play bass. So I play guitar like a bass player. Gotcha. Um, how much like, cause it, again, in like two different like mindsets Mm -hmm. from a producer mindset, it's like you have literal guitar techs that all they do is like engineer guitar sound, like Mm -hmm. different terminology, but a lot of like the principles are, are the same. How much does your like tone not matter, but how conscious of you are like, as far as like engineering, like a bass tone. Okay. I feel like in this regard, I am a caveman, <laughs> you know, I, I plug my bass into the amp. Everything's yeah. at 12 o'clock yeah, yeah, yeah. and I might adjust like the tone knob between like bridge and neck pickup. Okay. Depending if I want like a warm sound, yeah. the neck, if I want a tighter, less warm sound, I'll sure. go to the, the bridge pickup. That is pretty much all I know yeah. about that. Um, so I, I, yeah, I just, I just know how to play it. I don't know how to <laughs> EQ oh, it God. beyond making it sound fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I, cause, cause I always find it interesting. Cause like man, like knowing some guitar players that go down this, like this rabbit hole. There is, like, there is a deep tone rabbit hole that you can go down yeah, if you want. Cause, cause knowing a bit of engineering, I'm like, okay, I, I like how this sounds. I know how to kind of achieve what I want, but I also am like a degree of like experimentation. I'm like, cause again, you're kind of like supporting mm-hmm. in that role. And it's, it's, it's like you want it to stand out, but not too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there comes a, a threshold where like maybe the bass player would like to be louder, yeah. but then the bass is louder than everything. Yes. And, and you're no longer supporting you're leading from the bottom, you yeah, know? Exactly. Um, I guess bringing it back to like the cherry, like, is there like kind of conversations like that as far as like, you know, you, know, you describe it as being primitive to use like your own words, but um, like when y'all are having talks, cause, cause Lou plays bass as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like what, what conversations y'all have as far as like getting like, the right like sound in that spectrum. I don't think, I don't think we've ever talked about like, just your, like bass yeah. tone, you okay. know? Um, yeah. Cause it always fascinates me. Cause I, I feel like I'm giving you like, like, like just loaded like prompts. Uh-huh. Cause it, they're more like, it's like, huh? Like, cause like, it's like, why, why is that? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure either. It's just, Maybe he's in the same boat as me, where it's just like I plug it in and, and it plays. You yeah. know, as long as it as long as I blend well with the yeah the ensemble. I don't even like like just you guys, but I'm just like in the in the grand like in general scheme of like you know these these stringed instruments that for all intents and purposes are functionally the same, mm-hmm. more or less. I don't know. I don't know why it's so like your thoughts there because they are like so so different worlds because you have guitars where it's like, oh, I collect like all these different things and I, I, I love like the maple, whatever. I'm like, I, whatever produces the sound. The, yeah, exactly. You know? 
Do you, um, what, what do you have in your collection? Actually, if we're going to talk, yeah, let's talk, like base let's stuff. talk gear. I've got, so the, the base that I play with like cherry, mm-hmm. um, that is an Ibanez, uh, Ciro, C E R R O. Okay. And it's like from their base workshop thing. Yeah. It's a five string. I, I think the fretboard is like purple heart. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know <laughs> much about it other than I, I played it and I was like, yeah, this sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I gotcha. um, it's got, it's got active pickups, bass, mid treb, treble, like yeah. adjusters, volume, tone, active, passive switch. Gotcha. Um, before that, and I still have this one, I've got a, a like a four string Fender jazz okay. bass. It's nice. a reissue of like the 64, model so it's actually from like their base like custom workshop nice um and that thing is great (laughs) i played that forever and then i i was like i need a five string i need to go i need to go lower yeah yeah, yeah. you know um but those are my two bases i've got an acoustic guitar and then a uh, fender jazz master guitar as well okay yeah and that is other than that like i've got a double bass and that is my inventory (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no it's cool if if you're not enjoying like the gear talk, I can like trim it down and we'll move on because because I'm just yeah, yeah. curious like you know no you're fine I just who's not as technical just kind of like what your thoughts are you know yeah I my thoughts on it are just like if it works yeah that's fine you know yeah. <laughs> I I feel like there there should be a healthier balance so you know you could tar folks you know let's let's find some happy middle ground here yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you want to talk about with with the tune with the Alton Gun? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I just got really into like analytical about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting combination of those elements, like hearing psychedelic rock recontextualized in this yeah. way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I love like the the tune. It, it sounds like I mean, of course, there's a lot of melodic minor because that's that's when your first like introduction like to theory they tell it's like oh like it's that mm-hmm. that like sound like um middle eastern thing and um yeah when you said that this was based on like their folk songs i was yeah. like oh that makes sense that they're yeah. using that sound there. yeah yeah because in particular like it and I, I i love hearing it like on the and one thing i wrote is like what what makes it like pretty spacey like to talk more technical is a lot of like the automation and like f- mm. sweeping like frequencies because yeah. like again they'll, they'll like jam and groove and and you know you you can do that but to like you know keep um vamping on there like another way like to make it interesting is like that it's yeah um like a very like long and slow chorus effect mm-hmm. that just like you just hear like because because then it adds like a little bit of like momentum while still just when it shifts. Yeah. 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 So that, that's fun. Check it out. Definitely. Cause there's no like good translations. I literally was going line from line. Cause a lot of like the, the songwriting structure is like title of the song. It's that. And then repeating. Cause like the, the theme, it's kind of like the first verse you're talking about, like the, the drink itself. And it's like, Oh, like, you know, it's a habit. Like I, I need you. And then it translates into, you know, talking about a relationship. Because there's one thing, I, I don't know if it's someone's name. I don't know the reference, but it didn't translate to anything. So I'm assuming it's like, let a me A person pull or up. a place or something. Yeah, let me pull up the lyrics while we're thinking about it. If I can find it, that's fine. <laughs> I, but but one thing that stuck with me is at the end of the chorus, you know, because it's compared of like, you know, because this is where I thought maybe it'd be interesting from y'all's perspective to kind of like wrap wrap stuff up. Because um, it feels like the theme is like kind of comparing like alcoholism to like a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like I... Because I know there's a phrase in there and translated to loving is my habit. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, it's like I, I want to like give this love to something. It's like, you know, to this drink or to this person. And, uh, at the end of both choruses, it's like, all right, let's have a drink and sober up. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a, a cool, like dichotomy there. Like, I know there's lots of themes like this, but it, 
I think it fits. I'd, I'd love to know like the origin of like what the original, like to, if, if it is based like off of a folk tune, like where that comes from. Cause that's kind of hard to find. Like, unless like you do like some deep digging. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be a good prompt like to end out as far as like, you know, playing like here and like lots of like bars. It's like, you know, cause it's, it's cool to get like turned up, but I'm sure as a working musician, like it's pretty tiring uh, yeah. just being around lots of drunk people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So the question is, is it, is it tiring being around drunk people or yeah, more, or just, just kind of like, how do you feel? Cause like, wouldn't it be nice? Like, cause I, of course I do like to like loosen up, but wouldn't it be nice to just like have a show where everyone is, it's either everyone has to be sober or everyone's got to be whatever, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be the one sober person at yeah. the show. Well, so I, I am the one sober person at the show. Yeah. So I, I, I went through that phase in college where I got plastered mm-hmm. like a few times. Like that was the hang was go get drunk and then go shed tunes and then yeah. go get drunk. Um, <laughs> and since then I, yeah, I haven't, I've haven't drank in over a year at this point. Yeah. And it's, I don't miss it. Um, but there is like that culture around gigs and like the environment that musicians find themselves where it's like, you're not drinking. What band? The band has a tab. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's a lot of peer pressure surrounding that. Cause like, I don't know. Do you have like any story as far as like touring with chair or like any other like group of just like, just bad, bar patrons or something like oh, that. Oh man. I'm sure I do. <laughs> man, there's nothing off the top of my head I can think of where like someone was being like belligerent or anything. Yeah. Um that's good. I think like yeah. the culture around you know, those band mm-hmm. that wouldn't lend it to that, yeah. you know, as much. I have like been to see bands play and like uh this one dude's was like upfront, completely wasted, having the time of his life, you know, like <laughs> he is the main character right now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like the, the band is playing crazy music and he like gets up on stage and the band just immediately stops and it's dead silent and ensemble. And like the bass player's like, Hey man, you got to get down now. This is not okay. Yeah. And he, he like stands there for a sec. He's like, Oh crap. I just ruined the whole vibe. Yeah. And then he got down and the band, picked back up but it's nice yeah some people get really excited and really drunk and think that they're part of the experience yeah since you, like you've had lots of experience like in in arlington here like in the scene where would you like to see yourself cherry in the next five years oh man <laughs> that's a big question that, that's a yeah. big question that that is the we're in the end game now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see myself playing bass and also having health insurance from playing <laughs> bass. That would be ideal. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, I might be able to do through Tarleton if I get some more hours there. So that, that might be covered. Um, but as far as Cherry, I, I kind of want to just see how far it can go, you know? Cause like we've got some stuff planned for this year. I'm not sure how much I should say right now, but like we, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with this upcoming album, this upcoming collection of songs. Um, and I think I just want to promote it as much as possible and just get it out there. You know? Yeah. Y'all have again for probably the, 11th time <laughs> just a, a very beautiful dynamic a very good thing going and i feel the same honestly i'll go as as far as it can go mm-hmm. is there anything else any other ensembles you'd want to plug today that you're a part of or any other upcoming projects that you're excited for um not currently no yeah cherry's like the one group that i like align myself with you know other than that it's a lot of gig work um as like a personal project I want to start writing. I've already started this, but I want to like finish writing a collection of songs for like a, a quintet yeah. sort of in that vein of uh, 
the tune we listen to, Power to the People, that sort of area of composition. For sure. Um, so maybe I'll try and get that wrapped up and do that this summer. But as of right now, that doesn't have a name. It's just <laughs> it's just in a folder on my laptop, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm excited for anything. I, I love seeing, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, just kind of seeing like how y'all have grown like since since I've been here in like 2018 um like those early beginnings cuz I you guys have a lot of traction mm-hmm. and uh I I can't wait for what's next <laughs> like I, as a friend and as a fan I'm I'm very excited for you guys. Well thank you. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I I th- this is this is what I'm about. Like I I think it's important to have these one-on-one discussions where it's not always like it's like, okay, like, you know, cause I don't ask you about like the next thing, but it's like, you know, just real like talks, like the, the, the algorithms and all that can take you so far, but it's like, y'all have done like a lot of like boots on the ground work to get like where y'all are at. And, uh, it should be appreciated. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Absolutely, man. Um, everyone check out cherry mantis. If you haven't, um, I'm gonna have a, Boy Rothling and uh, OK Lelly on the next episode. So look forward to that. Where can Rose find you on the on the social medias? Oh yeah, so my my Instagram handle is at Heichel Meatly. Um, so Michael Heatley, but you swap the I H don't and the even M. I think I, that registered. Yeah, I just saw. I'm like, oh, it's Michael. I'm like my brain filled in the gaps. Yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much if I post something, it'll be on that account. You know, if you have Facebook, I also have Facebook and that's just my regular name. Look forward to it. I'm looking forward to to your quintet. So whenever that happens, let me know. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll be sure to post about it and all nice. that stuff. <laughs> Thanks again, Michael. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. I faded a little bit like out here. So I'm just literally recording stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Does that work? That's that's fantastic.